Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. I want you to think about the soundtrack of your life. The soundtrack of your life. We all have one. There are songs that you listen to over and over. When I'm talking about the soundtrack of life, I'm thinking about that song when it comes on and you're driving and you lean over and turn it up. Maybe it's uh, you're listening to a, uh, your, your device that's wired into your system and that song comes on and you listen to it and then you listen to it again and you listen to it again. Songs, we all have them, songs that are the soundtrack of our life. There are songs that are linked to your past. I grew up in the cassette tape generation and also the CD generation. Some will just never know the joy of being in a car and manually changing the eight track cassette or CD. Some of you had the binder, right? The binder of the CDs or yeah, on the, um, the visor. You still have that? <laughs> Maybe you hear a song and it reminds you of a past relationship. Maybe there are songs that you would link to road trips, to summer, to high school, to college, to dating, or a song you danced to at your wedding. There are songs from your childhood that are part of the soundtrack of your life. For me and my younger brothers, the soundtrack of our childhood sounded like Raffi. Do we have any other Raffi children in here? Okay, you guys got to help me out. Baby beluga in the deep blue sea, you swim so wild and you swim so free. That's right. I grew up on baby beluga. There are also songs, uh, if you're old enough, there are songs of your children's childhood or your grandchildren's childhood. For us right now with uh, four little ones, the Wiggles have a special place in our brain. I love the Wiggles actually. If you are a follower of Christ, songs that were used in worship at the time or the season when you gave your life to Christ, those songs have special meaning to you. One of my friends who's a worship pastor, he has the observation that we tend to think of the songs that were part of worship during the season when we gave our life to Christ, we tend to think of those songs as being just a bit holier than all the songs that came after them. New York University's music therapy director, I think he nails it when he says music is part of our identity construction. Some people say you are what you eat. In a lot of ways, you are what you play or what you listen to. 
Here's what's going to tie right into our message today. That same professor is quoted as saying this. Each time we re-experience, each time we re-experience our favorite music, we are reinforcing who we are, where we belong, and what we value. Colossians is our summer message teaching preaching series that we started last week. Over the course of the summer, we're moving through this letter in the New Testament that's labeled Colossians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Paul wrote it while he was in prison. And Paul's letter to the Colossians, the entire letter could be one long answer to the question of someone saying, we want the most out of life. Is Christ the way to get there? And what we said last week is that in our desire for more of what is good, we do not need more than Christ. We need more of Christ. Desiring more of what is good is healthy. It's not wrong to desire more of what is good and what is from God. The challenge comes in when we wrestle with how do we go after more of what is good. Colossians 1 verses 15 through 20 what we're going to see is that Paul appears to drop the lyrics of a song at near the beginning of this letter that he writes to the Colossians. It's like Paul hears about what's going on in Colossae. He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, writes this letter and he thinks of a song and he puts the lyrics of the song in the letter. This, the song starts with creation. Creation through Christ and ends with salvation through Christ. In these hymn lyrics, we see a great answer to the question. Questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? What you'll see in most translations, whether you have it in printed or digital form today, what you'll see, Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, look a lot different than the rest of the letter to the Colossians because it's written like you might see song lyrics written. It's written that looks like a poem. In the original language, there is a rhythm to the words. It's tougher to see when we translate it into English. Remember the professor's quote, each time we re-experience our favorite music, we are reinforcing who we are, where we belong, and what we value. The leading thought on what appears here in Colossians is that Paul is quoting lyrics from a hymn or a song that was well known to the Colossian church. Now there are some other possibilities. Maybe it wasn't a song, maybe it was a poem. Maybe Paul quotes a portion of a familiar song and then adds to the song. Or maybe Paul writes a brand new poem or new lyrics to a new song. But the leading thought is that Paul knew then what the professor writes about now, that when we experience songs that we are familiar with, we are reinforcing who we are, where we belong, and what we value. Remember, Paul finds out about what's happening in the Colossian church, and he's concerned. What was happening in the life and minds of the Colossians then, maybe in some ways, it's happened in your life or it's happening in your life now. The Colossians, they honored Jesus, they respected Jesus, they loved Jesus and they wanted to follow him. But then the teachers and teachings that were coming into Colossae, they were asking questions or bringing in concepts like, is Jesus really enough? Can Jesus and faith in Christ really be the answer 
to everything. These new teachings were not really a direct attack on Christ, but what they did is devalued Christ. By quoting these lyrics, it's as if Paul appeals to the connection of, the mu of music and the soul. It's like he's saying, you know that song that you sing so often when you get together to worship? You know the lyrics. Let's think about those lyrics together. Let's be a church that doesn't just sing the words. Let's be a church that believes the words that we sing. Let's be a church that lives out the words that we sing. Verse 15, Colossians 1, verse 15. Lyrics of a song. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything, was created, and is supreme over all creation. Paul continuing to use words of fullness, sufficiency, and completeness over all creation. Jesus was and is supreme over. Your translation may say first or firstborn, meaning above everything. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now the word image in English, it really has two main directions of what it could mean. The word image has two meaning options. The first is likeness. Say that with me, likeness. Likeness, this is the, when we talk about likeness, this is the image of a person as they might appear in a mirror or as they may appear in a photograph, or when we think of like the money that we carry in our, does anyone carry money in your wallet or is just, this is a side note that the earlier two services didn't get. I feel old, like if I take my debit card or credit card out and put it in the machine, I feel old now. That's not how you do it anymore. You look at your phone, push the button and you tap it. That's how you pay. I'm like, uh, I'm old person, I need to actually insert my card. Okay. Sorry, that was like extra, not associated with the message. If you have money in your wallet, there's a picture of a president on that money. That's an image that is a likeness of the president. The likeness is less than the original. The image is less than the original. A photograph, image in the mirror, it, it looks like it's similar to the original, but it is less than the original. That kind of likeness, that kind of image, that's not the original Greek word that Paul uses. The word that Paul uses, translated for us as image, it means manifestation. Manifestation, say that with me, manifestation. This means that God is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God, just as God the Father is God. Through Christ, the unknowable God becomes known. There is nothing less than about Jesus Christ. He is fully God. Richard Mellick writes, in Christ, the invisible God became visible. Jesus Christ is both God and man, and listen to this, always embodying the best of both wherever he was. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for through him, God created everything. 
in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Now this goes against those who would limit Jesus Christ as simply one wise teacher among many wise teachers. Through him, God created everything. The Christ who came to the earth first took part in creating the earth. Now there is mystery in one God that is represented in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is mystery in God as one, yet also God as in three distinct, God represented in three distinct ways, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if you think about these things like I think about things, it frustrates you because we really would like to have an analogy. When we say the Trinity is like this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then we want to point to some earthly example or some example of what we know, like, okay, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's kind of like this. But there really is no like this that makes sense. Why? Because we are talking about an infinite, unlimited God. And we cannot reduce him to what we understand in our own mind. There is mystery behind the greatness and the infinite power of God. Because any analogy that we would come up with would be trying to explain one who is unlimited and one who is infinite in some sort of limited, finite way. So again, if you think about these things like I do, we're just going to have to go on being a little bit frustrated, but mostly accepting that there is great mystery in the greatness of God, and that's okay. When Paul writes about thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, this is likely addressing the false teaching that had started to come up in Colossae. See, what was happening is what we might describe as a secret society mentality. There were some who were teaching that there were people who had special insights to God because they knew about this spirit realm or that spirit realm and that you couldn't fully know uh, everything because you had to go through these people who were part of the secret society. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ is the one who's over it all. If you don't, if you know, if you, if you know Jesus, you don't need to go to someone else for additional insight. Jesus Christ is not one of many. Jesus Christ is one over all. So as promised, here's where we get an answer to big life questions like, do I matter? And why am I here? In this verse, Paul writes, everything was created through him and for him. Everything was created through Christ and for Christ. Do I matter? Yes. Why? Because everything, including you, were created through him. And he is not going to create something that doesn't matter. Do I matter? Yes. Why? Everything, including you. You were created through him and for him. Why am I here? Because you were created for him. You were created for him. Now, someone is here today and someone has told you that you do not matter. 
Someone, by the way they have treated you, have led, they have led you to believe that you are insignificant. Someone may have even used the word mistake to describe you. That is not from God. You are a child of God. You are created through him and you are created for him. And when he says you matter, what anyone else says does not matter. You were born on purpose and for a purpose. God does not make mistakes. What is our purpose? We exist to live in relationship with Christ, anticipating eternity with him. God created you, and this is amazing. This is incredible. God created you and me with the ability to know God, and because of that, we have the capacity to love God, to worship God, to serve God, and to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. This side of eternity, we live connected to a perfect God while living in a world that is still corrupted by sin, and you don't have to look very far to see that. Yet at the same time, we anticipate a future in heaven where we get to enjoy the uncorrupted presence of God, of Christ, in a place where, guess what? There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. And every tear will be wiped away. Verse 17 he, Jesus, existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Every, every line of this song is so rich. Jesus holds all creation together. Now, some of us here would say we barely can hold our own lives together, and here's Jesus Christ holding all of creation together. Jesus is active. He's not absent in the world today. Jesus created and he's active in holding it all together. And this is where we need to think beyond our own lives. If we think about the majesty of creation and how it all works together, the amazing order of ecosystems, of gravity, of seasons, of the balance of nature, of life cycles, of weather patterns. And when you really start to think about it, when you think about all the order that has to occur in order for the world to keep functioning the way that it does, it's almost impossible to think that all this could happen by chance. Listen, science and God are not opponents. God is the one who created and gave order to life and to nature. So science is uncovering and understanding the creative power of God. How refreshing is it to think of science in that way? That we are desiring to uncover the creative power of God. I like to wear watches with orange armbands for some reason, but anyway. This watch on the back of it, you can see the inside of how the gears work, and there's actually even a little window on the, on the front, too, where you can see the gears. I did not create this watch. I could not create this watch. I don't have the equipment. I don't have the patience to deal with little things. But if I were to open this up, I could begin to understand how it works, how it was created, 
And I would be amazed at how all the intricate little pieces work together. What if we were to approach science with that same mindset? That there was someone, there is someone with understanding that is so far above whatever we could come up with in our own human creativity, who designed the world, who created the world, who gave it order. And when we explore science, we are looking in to the creative power of the most holy God, the creator above all creators, the one, the creativity was his idea. Verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. Christ is the head of an organization in this world that has no equal. There's nothing else like the church. The church, this includes all Christ followers in the world. The church is the primary channel through which Jesus accomplishes his purposes on earth. So if you are a follower of Christ today, you are a part of the church, and as a result, the primary way that Jesus accomplishes his purposes on this earth is, guess what, through who? Through you and me. We carry the message. Now, because we have a head and because we have a body, we get the concept of head and body. Christ is the head. The body is the servant of the head. The body is useless without the head. The church is powerless without Christ. Our thoughts, our actions, our direction, life is best lived when they come from the head. That's why we pray, Jesus, lead us. Now, if you were to Google or YouTube, if you were to YouTube, chicken without head, you would either find it humorous or horrific, depending on the level of darkness in your sense of humor. Now, some of you grew up on farms, so it's not just something, you lived this, it's not just on video, but you probably heard this before, that if you were to remove a chicken's head, it appears that it is living for additional 10 or 20 minutes if it's kind of set in the right direction. There's something about the way that God wired chickens that if its head is removed, that it will actually look like it's alive for another 10 to 20 minutes. That the legs are moving, there's activity, there's running around, there's all this motion. This usually lasts for 10 or 20 minutes. Now, in the research that I pour over for you each and every week, I did find this article the chicken that lived for 18 months without a head. A story for another day. <laughs> Let's Most, not 18 months, 10 to 20 minutes. In those 10 to 20 minutes, there can be a lot of activity there can be a lot of motion. There can be a lot of running around. But the animal doesn't really have life. And the, it's all leading toward a quick death when it's all going to stop. So listen, if we as the body function without the head, there can be a lot of activity. 
There can be a lot of running around. There can be a lot of motion. But in the end, it doesn't really have a purpose. And the direction of that movement and motion is death. We need the head. As the body, we need the head. The head is what directs and what guides the body. And Jesus is the beginning of the church. He started the church. Jesus is the original. He is the originator of the movement of the church. True then, true now. When we're gonna do something, it's, it's not, hey, God, we have this idea, come alongside our idea. It's, Father, what is your direction? Jesus, where are you leading us? Where you go, we'll go. We want to follow where you would have us move. Jesus is the first or firstborn. He's the one who rose from the dead first. The resurrection, the resurrection is central to the Christian faith. The resurrection is central to the Christian faith. Great insight here from William Barclay. Christ is not merely someone who lived and died about who we read and learn. He is someone who, because of his resurrection, is alive forever and whom we meet and experience, not a dead hero or past founder, but a living presence. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. The great songs, what they do is they capture deep dynamic things in simple lyrics. And so in very simple words, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. With great simplicity, Paul either originates or quotes lyrics that explain how Jesus Christ is fully God, not partial. God in his fullness, alive in Christ. Verse 20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Through God and through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. Christ made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Here's where we get to the brokenness that we see in the world. Pastor Louis Giglio says, Jesus is the peacemaker between fallen humanity and God. Jesus made the world, came into the world, forgave the world. Those who have walked away, Jesus is willing to forgive them. The peace that humanity desires is found in Christ. There's hurt, there's brokenness, there's sin that is all around us. How grateful we are that when mankind turned away from God in sin, that God did not abandon us in our sin. God did not, God was not satisfied for us to be separated for, from him. God desired reconciliation. God sent his son to reconcile, to restore relationship, to make peace. How did God the Father accomplish this? Through Christ's blood on the cross. Christ died a sacrificial life so that we may have life. In Colossians, 
Paul uses phrases like this to describe the world's relationship to Christ by him, through him, for him, in him. Christ, the world was created by him. Good is accomplished through him. Life is best lived for him. Peace is found in him. When we understand what Jesus has accomplished, when we understand who he is, we realize that no one else compares. Yes, there are always going to be objections that are coming at the body of Christ, but when Christ is the head, we have to fear no objections, no assaults, because Jesus Christ has won the victory. Whatever else may try to pull your attention away, maybe you need to go back when you're in those moments when something is trying to pull at your attention to Colossians 1, verses 15 and 20 that remind us and reset us on the fact that no one else compares to the supremacy of Christ. So why? Why would we ever settle for less than the fullness of God? Jesus is worth serving. Jesus is worth loving. Jesus is worthy of all that you'd bring to him. Jesus is all sufficient for full relationship with the loving Heavenly Father. Jesus is the head, we are the body. So the questions are, Jesus is, is leading, are you going where he's leading? Church, people's church family, are we going where Jesus is leading? That's our desire. Not to come up with our own plans and ask Jesus to come alongside them, but to say, Jesus, where would you lead people's church? Empower us, equip us to live out your purposes for our influence in our city and the world. We also know that from our human bodies, when one part of the body is sick, it impacts the entire body. If you have a broken bone, it impacts how the whole, your whole body works. It impacts your entire life. When there's sickness in one part of the body, it impacts the entire body. So the sickness of the spiritual body is, is sin. So let's be real, because we're real people. What sin is in your life that is corrupting the body? Now, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are forgiven. We are forgiven for our sin. But you know this. It doesn't mean that we are no longer tempted. It doesn't mean that we no longer fall into sin. We are forgiven, but throughout our life, this side of eternity, we come face to face with sin. The question is not, are we going to come encounter sin? The question is, what are we going to do with it? We can allow God to expose it in us and we can turn from it, or we can settle into our sin. And that's what we're talking about today. Is there sickness of sin in your body? And the way that the church is spoken about throughout the New Testament is that 
is in terms of a body, like we are part of a body. And just as the human body is held back, if there is sickness or brokenness in any part of the human body, the spiritual body is held back if there is sin sickness in any part of the body. So sometimes we can convince ourselves, yes, I'm going to just go ahead and hang on to this sin. No one else knows. Yes, it's holding me back. But what if our individual sin is actually also holding back the work that God wants to do through the entire body? And what if our responsibility to eradicate the sin from our life is not just so that God can use us to the full, but so that God can use this church body to the full? And I don't know about you, but I don't want any sin in my life to hold us back as a faith community from doing all that God wants to do in us and through us in our city. Why would Paul leverage lyrics of a familiar song or hymn to the Colossian church. Each time we re-experience our favorite music, we are reinforcing our sense of who we are, where we belong, and what we value. Well, who are you? You are forgiven you are redeemed you are reconciled you are restored by the blood of Jesus Christ where do you belong the better question is who do you belong to you are a child of God I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And what do we value? If it matters to God, it matters to us. If it matters to God, it matters to us. So songs, familiar songs, have the power to reinforce who we are, to whom we belong, and what we value. Take us to lyrics that reinforce our identity in Christ. The world was created by him. Good is accomplished through him. Life is best lived for him. And peace is found in him. Church, get ready. Rise up if you're able. We're going to sing. We're going to sing like we mean it, if you mean it. By him, through him, for him, in him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the honor and power and glory. Are you ready, church? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the honor and power and glory. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. 
Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.